that God is still on the throne. I want to read to you um, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're just going to read the whole thing. Now faith. You know, faith is not in the future. It's not built for the future. It's built for now. It's built for right now. In this moment. And faith is the reading in the Holman says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Another way of saying that is faith is the assurance or the confidence. Faith is the foundation is really what this word means. Faith is the foundation of trust. Of trust. You could say it that way. Faith is the foundation of trust. Do you trust God? Do you trust Him to keep His Word? Do you believe that He'll do all the things He said He would do and more? I mean, Scripture says more than you can ask or think. And I'm pretty sure between all of us here, we can think some pretty big things. But more than that. So now faith is the the foundation, the confidence of what is hoped for. This word hope means uh, confident expectation, not what you wish for. That's not the biblical definition of this word. But the confident expectation. The proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors were approved. We understand that by faith the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. So what made it better? Well, his faith. For For starters, it was by faith. By this, he was approved as a righteous man because God approved his gifts even though he is dead. He still speaks through this. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. And he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation, he was approved having pleased God. How many want to live having pleased God? Well, by faith, that's how you do it. Now without faith, it's impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So by faith, we earnestly seek Him. We draw near expecting that He's drawing near to us. If you just go through the motions and expect nothing, that's exactly what you're going to get. Nothing. It's by faith. Faith isn't the feeling. A lot of times you'll have feelings when you're in faith. But faith is a choice to believe that what he said is true. Verse 7, by faith Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen, they hadn't seen rain or floods yet. It's completely a foreign thought to them. So by faith, he's just taking that something that never happens is going to happen. Sounds a little bit like the book of Revelations, doesn't it? Some of these things that are completely foreign to us, how, how's that going to happen? Grasshoppers that look like men? You know, animals with men's faces? By faith, Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen in reverence, built an ark to deliver his family. This house here is an ark for you. If you're here, this is an ark, it's a place of safety. I've said it from the beginning, this is a coronavirus-free zone. Because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. That includes sickness. Sickness is part of sin and death. So in reverence, he built an ark to deliver his family. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. We've all been called to something. Are you obeying? He went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. This is before they had GPS. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward. He had his gaze fixed on something. Do you see that? He was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was barren, can't have kids, incurable disease, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. 
What if she would not have considered him to be faithful? Suppose he'd had to find someone else. And therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the heaven and as innumerable as the grains of the sand by the seashore. It comes by the blood of Jesus, see? Verse 13, these all died in faith. Some people believe that when they die, that's the end. Some people believe that if you get sick and die, that it's over. But did you know Jesus died in faith? He died in faith. He didn't resurrect Himself. Just look it up. Don't take my word for it. Look up everywhere where Jesus is resurrected, where it talks about it, and it says God resurrected Him. He didn't resurrect Himself. God rescued Him from the pains of death. Whatever was going on there. God is the one who rescued Him. So He died because He became sin for you and I. And He died, and it's over for Him. Except He had the promise of the Father. And so He died expecting that God the Father is going to pull me out of the miry pit. And so He died in faith. You and I can die in faith. When that day comes, we die in faith. So don't think in your mind that, well, just because someone died, that it's over. It says, these all died without having received the promise, but they saw them from a distance. So they they saw them. You can't have what you don't see. I said, you can't have what you don't see. What are you seeing? What are you setting before your eyes? What are you making the thing that your eyes are fastened to? If it's the bad report, we talked about this last week, if, if, what, if the light coming into you is darkness, let's say it another way, if the light coming into you is CNN or Fox or any one of those, you're going to be full of darkness. But if the light coming into you is His promise and His Word, you'll be full of light. That's how Jesus said it. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been remembering that the land they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. But now aspire to, but now they, I just read that wrong, but they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered... You're going to have tests. We're living in one right now. We're going to have tests. How you respond is entirely up to you. And stop looking at someone's response and you deciding whether they're from faith or not. I mean, there are some people you know that they're not in faith. The Spirit of the Lord will reveal it to you. But I'm saying, you can't just look at someone and go, oh, they're wearing a mask, they're not in faith. You don't know why they're wearing a mask. Right? Jesus said, stop looking at outward things and start making right judgments. He's talking about looking at inside things. 17, so by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his unique son, about whom it had been said, in Isaac your seed will be called. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, from which he also got him back. As an illustration. See, Abraham was so committed to what the word of the Lord was, he goes, fine, I'll go up and kill him and God's going to raise him from the dead. I'll go up and offer him to the Lord and God will raise him up. That's what it says right there. He expected that's what was going to happen. But we know that the Lord didn't allow it to go that far. But he stopped him and said, I have provided. I have provided. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith in this promise, he blessed them. Did you know that your blessing, your pronouncement of blessing when you speak the promise carries just as much authority as Isaac's did here? I mean, Jacob went on to become a mighty nation. Esau went on to become a mighty nation. I mean, it was prophesied that they were nations while they were still in the womb. There was a lot of activity happening inside her, right? And, and they were like, what's going on? And the Lord said, there's two nations on the inside of you. Now what would have happened if she had just aborted them? It would have affected a whole lot more than just those two babies in her, wouldn't have it? It would have affected nations. 
So even there, the Lord recognized nations in her womb. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, and he worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. Even if he had to lean on something, he's still worshipping. I like that. By faith Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. He remembered By faith, Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. Did you know that sin does have pleasure? Yeah, it does. It just doesn't last. It's just short-lived. It's momentary. And what comes after that is condemnation and a whole bunch of the opposite of peace. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. His attention was on the reward. His eyesight, his focus, his view, his windshield was full of the promise of the reward. By faith he he left, he forsook Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith, he, he instituted or he kept or he made the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. Look, there's a lot of talk about people justifying being in fear in this time and season that we're in. They say, well, you're tempting God if you go out. Well, I don't ever remember any, any word of the Lord telling us to shelter in place. We're all told to go and to do. That's the commandment to us. So as you obey the command, you are not walking in presumption of protection. You are walking under the promise of protection. It's only in the going and doing that you qualify for the protection. Come on. Here, (laughs) by faith, they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. Walking between two walls of water seems pretty dumb, if you ask me. Right? The natural man. That's like tempting the Lord. You're asking those walls to crash in on you. Water that's just standing up because I don't know, wind is holding it there? I mean, it says the Lord blew wind. and I mean, the wind's likely to stop when I'm out in the middle of that thing. That's why it was by faith. If it wouldn't have been by faith, it would have just said it took no faith and they went across. And the other guys came across going, well, they go, we go. Right? The Egyptians. But they didn't have the promise of protection. They didn't have Psalms 91 to stand on. And so what happened? Well, they went deep sea diving. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Verse 28. By, uh, um, no. verse, uh, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, received the spies in peace, didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon. You know his walk of faith. I mean, you talk about doing something that's just completely dumb. Take on an entire army that is like world power at the time with 300 guys. And they didn't have night vision. You know, I mean, they're out there in the dark. They're not trained to fight in the dark. None of it. But because they obeyed the Lord. You know, if the Lord tells you today, I want you to shelter in place, if that's what He tells to your heart, well, then you follow His instruction for that day. You know, when He spoke to Elijah and said, go down to the brook Cherith and hang out there, you know, it was there that He was safe, that He was provided for that. And as soon as the Word of the Lord came to him to to move on to the next place, well, starvation awaited him there if he'd have just stayed there. Maybe even discovery by the king, I don't know. My point is, is your standing order is go. 
And if the Lord says that today I want you to do this, then you obey that in faith. You're, you're, you're submitted to the Lord. Alright, let's keep going here. So Gideon. Man, that's just such a powerful story. We could, just, we could talk the rest of the day about that. How the angel of the Lord showed up and, and called him a mighty man of God. And he's hiding. He was hiding. And the Lord called him a mighty man of God. And called him out of hiding. Spoke things that be not as though they be. Do this over yourself. Stand in the mirror and look at yourself. Say, you are mighty in the Lord. You're a carrier of something that gets on people. It's called the Holy Spirit. What did we call it weeks ago? Jesus germs. You know, the residue of Him in us. The spirit of Him in us. When we touch things, that's why He says lay hands on them. It's His point of contact to them. All right. How about Barak? We don't have time to tell about him. Or Samson. Or Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophet. Who by faith, so it didn't look likely in the natural, by faith they conquered kingdoms. By faith they administered justice. And I don't know, what is the just thing to do? Well, so by faith you believe that you receive the wisdom of God and you make a just choice. By faith they obtained promises. By faith they shut the mouths of lions. God's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. And faith is an equal opportunity employer. Anybody can operate by faith. By faith. They shut, by faith they shut the mouths of lions. By faith they quenched the raging of fire. We're going to throw you into the fire. And by faith, the fire goes whoop. Or you just walk through it like the three Hebrew boys did. By faith, I keep adding by faith because that's what he added in the beginning of it. So I want you to keep grabbing a hold of that's how it is. By faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, they gained strength after being weak. How many of you have ever been weak? You, you get, take a hold of it by faith. The Scripture says, let the weak say... I am strong. So you have to say it. I am strong in the Lord. For He strengthens me. And you begin to speak the Word over yourself. By faith, they became mighty in battle. By faith, they put foreign armies to flight. By faith, women received their dead raised to life again. To him that believes, all things are possible. That's what Jesus starting to look that way, isn't it? Some men were tortured and not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. You know, Scripture says that you'll have a better resurrection if you're a martyr. There's a special place for you if you're a martyr. And so knowing that, some of these guys went, hmm, I'll go for the better reward. You know, Paul in, in Philippians, he was... A prisoner, he's in chains and he's going, man, I don't know if I'm going to choose life or death. That's what he said. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know which I should choose. He was operating under the assumption that if he chose life, that he would live. That he would be delivered. And then if you read on further in the chapter, and in the next chapter, you'll see he goes... Oh, by the way, I'm coming to you guys. I'm confident. He, he went ahead and chose life. Verse 36, And others experienced mockings and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Watching somebody get cut in two or be stoned or any of these things, that could, that could shake you, couldn't it? If you're looking at the natural. But if your eyes are fixed on the supernatural, on something else, and suddenly you could face all of that, be completely free of fear, unshakable, unmovable, full of joy and peace. Say, what can man do to me? They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. All of these were approved through their faith. 
but they did not receive what was promised. That's some long-term commitment. Since God has had provided something better for us so that they would not be made perfect without us. So that they would not be made perfect without us. This is, this is, these guys were all before the blood of Jesus. Before the cross. Before their sins could be removed and completely forgotten like you and I can be today. Before the new covenant. This was old covenant people. And yet the Lord's going to call them perfect along with us. So that with us they might be made perfect. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, I guess they're watching us. I don't know. We have witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author or the source and perfecter, the finisher of our faith. See, see perfect means to finish it means to complete it. How are you made complete? How are you made perfect? It's in Christ. He is the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that lay before Him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. We're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus and consider Him so that you and I don't grow weary. So that you and I don't become faint. So that you, you know, Scripture says that we'll reap if we don't faint. If we don't quit. So we have to keep on. Keep on keeping on. We have to, we have to run the race with endurance. That means you're up and running. Not sitting and waiting. You're up and moving in the things of the Lord. So to understand you right, we don't have a time limit this morning. Like we, Do you have time? Shall we look at some more things? Are you in a hurry? Okay, let's go to Ephesians. And um, let's see how fast I can preach a normal message to you. That's just in the same vein as what we were talking about. Ephesians chapter 4. Because we've been looking at growing up and maturing. See... We mentioned being perfect, and that's what I want to look at this morning quickly before we... Before we... Ephesians 4, let's look at verse 11. It says, He personally, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, emissaries, or sent ones is what that word is, some prophets, some, some evangelists, some shepherds and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints in the work of the ministry. The perfecting of the saints, that, that word, it means training or equipping. It means We'll come back to what it means a little bit more soon. So, for the perfecting of the saints in the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. Growing into a perfect man, or a mature man as some, some translations say, with a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be babies tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth or doing the truth in love, the word uh, speaking, it's also translated as doing or being the truth, living the truth in love. Let us grow in every way into Him who is the head Christ, for from Him the whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself. How's it going to do it? In love, by the proper working of each individual part. So by speaking the truth in love, by doing the truth, we're going to grow. And it's going to, the body's going to build up itself in love so that each part is working and functioning properly together. The fivefold ministry... The, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, they are to perfect the saints, to train the saints, to, to teach them and equip them to do work of the ministry. Those fivefold are not going to be the ones doing the work of the ministry. They're training 
people, equipping them, making sure they're able to do the work of the ministry. And then all of this comes together, we reach unity and faith, and we grow into a perfect man. Is it possible to be perfect? A lot of people think that that's unattainable. That perfection is something that is beyond us. That, well, nobody's perfect. That, that's a saying, right? We hear that. Probably all of us have said it before. When we make a mistake with something or we have a flaw, then we say, well, nobody's perfect. But maybe we're using the word differently than is used in Scripture. Maybe our understanding of the word is clouded because it's not used today as it was then. Kind of like the word hope. You know, hope is not used today in Scripture. I mean, today in Scripture. Hope is not used today like it was in Scripture. Today we use hope as in we wish something. We want something. We desire and and are wishing it would come to pass. Well, in Scripture it was used as a confident expectation, very, very closely associated with faith. So the hope of faith or the hope of glory, that's a confident expectation of glory. And so perfect here in Scripture, there's like three, four words that get translated perfect and they all come from the same root word. It means complete. It means to uh, complete thoroughly or to finish thoroughly, to be completely finished. It means a complete equipping of or a complete furnishing. It means brought to its end. To its full end. To its mature end. Some, some, it is also translated as mature or full grown. It's, it's full grown. It's mature. It's brought to its complete end. It's thoroughly completed. That's what the word perfect means. So all the times that you read perfect in Scripture, understand that's what it's saying. The spirits of just men made perfect is what it says in Hebrews. That's you and I. The blood of Jesus making us perfect. The spirits of just men made complete or thoroughly complete or completely furnished or mature and full grown. You can use all of those words interchangeably. Perfect does not mean flawless. It does not mean without flaw. All of us have been called perfect, but all of us, if you held up a microscope over us, you could find flaws. Even a tiny baby, you know, we look at the baby and we go, oh, he or she's perfect. Well, we don't mean they're without flaw, right? Because if you would begin to examine one half of their body and mirror it to the other half of their body, oh, it's a little bit different than the other side. It's not perfect in in the sense of flawless. And the cells in our body are not flawless. That's why people age is because the cells stop making the complete cycle of, of being renewed in life. And that whole thing was, is, is how people age. And those cells are called free radicals in your body, if you're wanting to know. But I like to speak the word to those cells too. So what does perfect mean? If it's not flawless, you know, there's times where I, I preach a sermon and I go away and I feel like I feel complete. I feel those of you that have preached or those of you that have done any project under the inspiration of the Lord, you have gone and you've done the project and then you've been like, well, man, that felt really good. It was completed. I was finished. I was done. That's perfect. It doesn't mean you could not go back and find a flaw in something. How you said it or the wording or, or a flaw somewhere is talking about complete. I'm complete. There's times I leave a sermon and I don't feel complete. Something I couldn't get something out that the Lord wanted to get out. And, and maybe it was me, maybe it was you. I mean, you do know that you affect the preacher, right? And if you put your faith over to receive, the Lord will bring it to you in spite of the preacher. I've heard preachers that were horrible in the flawed sense of it. But man, the Spirit of God ministered to me, right? And then I've heard people that were flawless in presentation and I should have went and watched my favorite TV show, you know. But a lot of times, what's going on here, even if, you, even if you're listening, did you know how many times that I've gotten um, revelation from the Lord from watching a secular 
movie. It had nothing to do with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me about something that I was seeing. My point is, it's not the speaker as much as it's me and my heart. So what we have to do is, whether you're in a situation where the speaker is flawless, or the speaker is very flawed, either way, look to the Lord to be your teacher. Look to the Lord to be your teacher. Alright, so perfect means complete. In fact, in Romans 12.2, remember the scripture. Um, maybe you could put it up on the board, on the screen. Romans 12.2, and how that it defines the will of God into three separate categories. And that we will see the, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed. Just a side note here, be transformed is an ongoing, continuous process. It is not a one-time event. The way you be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Right here, with this. The Word of God. With fellowship with the Lord. Get before Him. Don't just jump in and read. Ask the Lord, reveal to me. Renew my mind as I read this, Lord. Speak to me. So that you may, and as that happens, as you have a discerned mind, here's what's going to happen. You will discern what is the good will of God, what is the pleasing will of God, and what is the perfect will of God. It means complete will of God. The finished will of God. I'm just helping you understand what the word perfect is so that you stop this nonsense of nobody is perfect. See, God wants you to reach your full potential. He wants you to be fully complete in Him. If the Lord asks you to do something, how would you know it was perfect? Well, if you feel finished, fully finished, fully complete, fully satisfied on the inside. So it's going to require you to be Spirit-led. Spirit-led. To discern on the inside by the Spirit. You know, how would you know if it's perfect? Well, do you feel satisfied? Do you feel like you've finished it? Let's go to um, Philippians. Philippians 3. Paul makes a statement in verse 12 chapter 3 it says not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature this is the word perfect not that I am already perfect because <laughs> wait a minute I thought we are supposed to be perfect oh just wait it says, but I make every effort to take a hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward, it's talking about focus, reaching forward to what is ahead. Remember, we're talking about being fully mature and growing up, about being fully perfect and growing. He reaches forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are perfect should think this way, in the same way as He is. Making every effort to not consider yourself as, I've arrived and I'm going to sit back and do nothing. But forgetting the things which are behind, fully reaching forward and keeping your eyes and mark on the prize and the high calling of Jesus Christ. And working towards that. And if you're mature, that's the viewpoint that we take. So are we supposed to be perfect? The others aren't sure. Let's go see. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5.48. Perfect. Are we supposed to be perfect? Are we supposed to be complete? Are we supposed to be f completely furnished and finished and brought to its end? Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect. Jesus is speaking, by the way. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Are we supposed to be perfect? Okay, now, we'll get a little more yeses. Jesus said it, so I reckon we are. Be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Is Father in heaven perfect? Let's ask it a different way. Is the Father in heaven complete? So we're, we're to be complete. Now, here's how you do it. Walk in love. Sounds right. Does he have scripture for that? We'll see. Let's go to Luke. Actually, no, let's back up first. Let's just um, 
I want to read to you first here in Matthew 5. Verse 48, here's how the BBE translation says it. It says, be then complete in righteousness, even as your Father in heaven is complete. See, it is possible, it's commanded. First John 2, 6 tells us, he who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he walked. Complete, perfect. So let's look at the context. How do we be perfect? How do we do it? I said, I already gave you the answer. Well, we walk in love. Let's back up to verse 43 in Matthew 5 here. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who mistreat you and persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's why the therefore is there. Be complete. So, how do, so he talks about walking in love, and then he makes a statement, be complete, like he is. So apparently love has to do with being complete, about being mature, because the word means mature, about being fully grown. It has to do with love. We've looked at, at walking in love and faith in love in two sermons ago, I believe it was. Um, let's go over to Luke chapter 6, and maybe we can get a little more light on it. In your light, we see light, Lord. So give us light on how to be perfect and to walk perfect, and walk as you walk. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 27, it's the same passage of Scripture I just read. It says, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Now, remember, didn't Jesus say that by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another? So this is going to be your distinguishing mark, is love. And know that love is not a feeling, Love is an action. Love is a choice to act a certain way. So for those of you that are struggling in a relationship, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice to act a certain way. You can do a really good job of loving someone and have strong feelings of hate. Okay? Who loves their enemies with feelings? Right? They're your enemy. But we love them by a choice, an action we take. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's how you do it. That's how you make the choice to love. You do good. You bless. You pray. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. This is not talking about an attempt on your life. This is talking about an insult. I said this is talking about an insult. In their day, in their culture, one of the ways you insulted somebody was smacking them on the cheek. This is an insult. You dirty, rotten bag. Oh, you bless them, you love them, you pray for them. This is an insult that he's talking about. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks from you. From the one who takes away your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit, it's the word grace actually, what grace is that to you? If you love those who love you, what grace is that to you? What empowerment is that to you? What ability is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what grace is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what grace is that to you? All the word grace. Start opening your eyes to grace a little bit. Credit is how it's translated in this translation. Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. Verse 35. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. 
then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Now, in, the other script, in Matthew it says be perfect because your Father in Heaven is perfect. doesn't say it that way. changes it a little bit. Same sermon, but he changed it a little bit. He said, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Earlier, Matthew used the word be perfect as your Father is perfect. Here in Luke, the word merciful is used instead of perfect. Really, if you look at the definition of the word, it means compassionate mercy. It means Mercy that, not pity, it's not pity, did you hear me? Mercy and pity, not even together, different things. The mercy of the Lord, if the Lord will have mercy on you, He will also have compassion on you. How many times do we see where, remember the blind men, they run up to Jesus and they say, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. And if you'll read it, and Jesus had compassion, he was moved with compassion, it says. See, if if the Lord has mercy on you, if he'll have mercy for you, then he'll also have his compassion for you. Let's say it a different way. Where the Lord has mercy on you, there is the answer to your problem also. There is a solution to the problem. There is provision for the problem. Okay, you need a scripture. We are to come boldly to the throne of grace. That's where God's ability is. Right? We are to come boldly to the throne of grace where we may find mercy and help. Right? At the proper time. So if He has mercy on you, you can be assured that His compassion will provide the provision for you as well. So, I said all of that to say, now think of the context. He's talking about love. He is talking about walking and acting and choosing love. And and we're talking about being perfect, being mature. Here's how to be mature like the Father. Here's how to be perfect like the Father. Is to choose love. To allow the love of God to come in you and cause that compassion, compassionate mercy in you to move you on their behalf. Not pity. I remember the Lord um, a number of years ago now said something to me. The Holy Spirit said something to me. He said, God's mercy and His provision are indelibly linked. I didn't even know what the word indelibly meant. I had to go look it up. Indelibly. What's that? You can't separate them, is what it means. They're, just, they're there. God's mercy and His compassion are indelibly linked. I'm sorry, God's mercy and His provision are indelibly linked. They cannot be separated. His compassion provides the interchange. If He has mercy for you, then His compassion will provide the provision for you. So we're still looking at being perfect, right? Remember the rich young ruler? You can go with me over to First John. 1 John chapter 4. Remember the rich young ruler? How that he came to Jesus. Said, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, well, keep the law and the commandments. And he said, man, I've been doing this since I'm a child. And Jesus had one more instruction for him. Said, if you want to be perfect, there it is again, If you want to be complete or mature or grown up, that's what this sermon series is about, growing up in the Lord. Stop being little babies, tossed and driven about by the wind and waves and all those things, but being fully grown up with a stature measured by Christ's stature. If you want to be perfect, Jesus said, go and sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And if you read the rest of the story, we know that he wouldn't have stayed poor. He would have received a hundred times more in this life because that's what Jesus went on and explained. But my point here is the perfection part of it. That it's an act of love. Go and sell and give. The primary expression of love is giving. We see that by God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So in this maturity, we have to be the most giving people, the most 
compassionate and merciful people to one another, first of all, and then to those on the outside. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love, if you are mature, if you are perfect towards one another. In 1 John um, 3, in verse 4, it says, we know that we pass from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. This is how we know, is if we love. If you go down to chapter 4, and you'll look in verse 16, talking about perfection. The spirits, in, in Hebrews 12, it talks about the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 16 here in 1 John 4 says, And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. The one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in Him. John, this is just a replay of John 15. The Gospel of John 15 about a being... You know, He is the vine, we are the branches, we being on the vine, God the Father's the tender and back and forth and that the fruit grows out on the branch and if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. That's all in John 15. Alright, let's continue to read. He says verse, in verse 17, in this, love is perfected. It's the word completed or finished. It's perfected. Love is completed. Love is fully furnished. Completely furnished or completely finished in this, love is perfected with us so that we may have boldness or confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as He is in this world. Well, how is He in this world? Pretty confident, eh? Right? Jesus is pretty confident. He's without condemnation. He's confident. So we are as He is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love or complete love or love that's brought to its end, to its mature state, drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment or torment. So the one who fears has not reached completion in love. Perfection in love. That's what the word means. Hasn't been made perfect in love. So all of this comes down, we're growing up and we're growing in love. And it comes down to the choices that we're making. How do we be mature in the Lord? Well, we walk in love. We choose to give. We choose to act as He acts in love. Now He's going to start getting real shoe leather with us. Verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yeah, I love God, I'm mature, I'm mature in the Lord, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. He's not mature. He doesn't love God. For the person who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from Him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. Remember, I said love is not a feeling. Let's look at an example of this now walked out. We looked in, in the gospel, you know, where we love our enemies, we choose, we give, we do good, we bless, we pray. Those are all actions of giving. Every one of those are actions of giving. Also, forgiving. Forgiving. Giving as before they did it to you. Forgiving. In, in 1 John 3. I already read how we know that we pass from death to life if we've loved for our brothers. Well, in verse 16, it begins to lay out real simply what this looks like. This is how we come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. In other words, you're going to give up your way for your brother's way. In other words, you're going to give down your life, your things, the things you want, the things you think need to be this way because you prefer your brother. Lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, his mercy from him, his perfection from him, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, now, now here's the key. It says if you see your brother, that would be a born again believer. Verse 18, little children, we must not love in word or speech, but indeed in truth. It's easy to love in word and speech. I mean, sometimes even that's hard. 
But that's much easier than actually putting action to it now. That is how we will know we are of the truth and will convince our hearts in His presence. Because you acted in love. Perfect love. Love brought to its complete end is a love that has acted. And then condemnation goes. It will convince our hearts in His presence. We'll be as He is in this world. Verse 20, because if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God and can receive whatever we require from Him because we keep His commands and do what is pleasing in His sight. Now this is His command, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He commanded us. The one who keeps His commands remains in Him and He in Him. And the way we know that He remains in us is from the Spirit He has given to us. Now let's go back and read Ephesians 4 where we began talking about... Well, that's not really where we began, but um, it's our text. We did read it one time this morning already. Ephesians 4. Keeping in mind what perfect is, what perfection is, and that... To be perfect as God is perfect means to be merciful as God is merciful. means to be compassionate, moved with compassion as He is moved with compassion. So if you want to be mature, let's read in verse 11 again of chapter 4. And He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some preachers, and some shepherds and teachers for the perfecting of the saints in the work of the ministry. To build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son. Growing, everyone say growing, into a perfect man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, by Christ's perfection. How was His perfection? Man, He gave everything. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning. In other words, you won't be without foundation anymore. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, or doing the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head, Christ. From Him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. In love. A perfect man. A complete man. Completely furnished, walking in love, operating as He operated. If God is love, then the greatest thing we can do for one another is to allow Him through us to each other. To those around us, right? That's what that is doing. It's choosing it and walking in it. We're going to close there. Father, I thank You that You are the one who has provided perfection for us. And I ask You, Lord, that You would give us the wisdom, the understanding, open up our, our eyes to see what this perfection is, how to walk it out in your, in your love, in Your mercy, to be as You are, to walk as You are, to walk as You walked. This is our, our, our request this morning, Father, that we would fully mature and grow in love as You are in love. I thank You for doing this in us, Father. I ask You to arrest us where we are not acting as the perfect man, complete, furnished in love. I ask that where we get out of love, Father, or we, we get into the flesh that You, you prompt us on the inside by Your Spirit, arrest us and, and remind us and, and bring us back to the perfect man to choose correctly. Lord, give us understanding that it's not our feelings, that it's the choices that we make, and that if we'll just align with You and choose what You chose, then our feelings will also come and be over there with You. I thank You for this revelation. I thank You that You, you open up our hearts and our minds and, and our ears and our eyes to see, to hear, to do, to act, to be in faith on Your Word, on Your promises for these things. In Jesus' name, and amen. Now one way that we do what? Love God is by loving one another. By being perfect. 
One way we love God is by being perfect to each other. Walking in love and mercy and compassion. So I invite you all to do that. Everyone's invited downstairs for a time of uh, ministry. You say, what? Yeah, that's what you're doing down there. Ministering to each other. See, I equipped you to do the work of the saints, the ministry that happens downstairs with finger foods. Jesus! What a name! So much power in the name of Jesus. Good morning, Church of the Word family here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So happy to see you all. Faith looks good on you. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalms 9 says, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart, and I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee, and I will sing and praises to thy name, O Most High. How many of you know that the importance of praise? Don't ever under, uh, underestimate it. It's a powerful spiritual weapon. It is. It's so amazing. It does something in the spirit realm. It releases the very presence of God. And it turns back the enemy. Sickness and disease can't stay in your body. Uh, physical weariness has to flee. Poverty has to go. So many enemies of Christ flee in the presence of praise and worship. It's a powerful weapon. You got to use your mouth, and I like to praise loudly because sometimes yeah. I think the devil can't hear me. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So, how about if we all stand up together as family here and let's corporately let's lift our voices loud and strong so all of heaven and all of hell can hear your powerful praise. Amen. Amen. Father, we're so grateful to you this morning for so many things, but for loving us and loving us so much that you're not willing that we stay the same, but to be changed from glory to glory, from faith to faith, always growing up in you. Father, we're so grateful for sending your son, your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, Jesus became flesh and blood, a human being, and dwelt among us. And everything he did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we can follow him. He is a human example of how we can be in our human walk here on the earth. Father, we're so grateful for the, the Holy Spirit that's here among us right now. We thank you that he's imparting to each one of our hearts exactly what we need. As we're continually growing up, making adjustments, changing from glory to glory, to be more like your son Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. They're all true for today. They're all true for my experience in the moment right now. I can make, I can access them in the spirit realm. They're, they're promises that are real and alive for right now. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your sweet presence. We thank you for Jesus, who is so obedient to your perfect will. We're so grateful to be called the children of God in the kingdom of heaven here on the earth representing your heart, your will, through our mouth and our hands, that we're busy about your business, Father. We're so grateful that you've imparted that power, that divine unction of the Holy Spirit, that we can receive everything from you, Father, and walk it out in truth. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Father. Lift your hands and just tell him, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for all the things you've done in my life. Thank you for all the things you're doing right now. Thank you for all the things you're going to do in my life. You're so real. We're so grateful, Father. You are our best encourager. Jesus, we love you. We honor you and worship you this morning. And thank you with a grateful heart. 
Well, turn to your neighbor and say, faith looks good on you this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. The children can stay in for right now. We'll dismiss them a little bit later. Welcome to Church of the Word International. What a privilege to be at church this morning. Do we have? Yeah, let's rejoice in that. Let's not take it for granted. Um, we would like to welcome our visitors at this time. Do we have anyone that's here for the very first time? If you are, raise your hand. Welcome. Good to have you with us. We trust that the Lord has something special here for you this morning, and you're not here by accident. Well, we're going to prepare to return our tithe to the Lord this morning, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, just raise your hands. The ushers will see that you get one. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all the blanks. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. And we're just going to obey the word and release our faith that he meets our needs and that as he's promised, that he's provided um, a supernatural access, we can hook up with him through the tithe. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read some verses here in Matthew. And if you were here last week, you'll hear a little bit of a connection about where we're looking. Matthew chapter 6, um, verses 19 and 20 talk about not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. So, so we're instructed not to... Put our treasure here on earth, but lay it up, lay our treasure up in heaven where it's not going to be destroyed, where nobody can break in and get it. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So your heart will follow what you value. Another way to say that is, you know, your heart follows where you put your treasure. So I want to look at what it says here in, in verses 22 and 23 about um, what we focus on. Our eye directs our focus. So what we look on, what we focus on is the direction we move. So we know we need money on this planet. Okay, God knows that. We all know that. Nobody can survive down here without money. We have rent to pay, mortgage to pay. We got groceries, clothes. All right, so... Yeah, but if you allow those needs, if you allow the pursuit of those things to be your focus and be what your eye is locked in on, it's going to hinder light coming into you. If that's the direction you're going to move. And if you read on further, you'll see in verse 24, it says it's connecting it to being what you serve. You will now, if you're locked in on that pursuit, we know we need those, but if you're locked in on this is your whole reason for getting out of bed, you're going to serve that going to be your master all right so it's going to keep you from walking in God's light because in his light we see light all right so if but if our eye is locked in on advancing the kingdom light comes your path is illuminated you see more clear what God's will for is for you and and you know you might get up out, out of bed and you got responsibilities to do and you're, you're fulfilling those and all of that but that's not your what you're locked in on Right? All right. So if advancing the kingdom is our focus and priority, it reveals God is our master, not money. And it's not serve God and have no money, right? He knows we have daily needs. If you keep reading on in this chapter, he right away addresses the thing that, we're, that we are going to think about or have opportunity to worry about. Well, if I serve God, well, what about this and what about that? And don't worry about that. Serve me. Lock in with me. 
light will come, illumination will come, I'm going to take care of you, just seek me first, all right? So he desires your needs met. He desires you to walk in abundance in every area. Let's just have our eye on the right thing. Let's get locked in on the right thing, serve God, not money, believe that he will take care of us. He's a good father and a good provider, all right? All right, let's take a hold of your tithe and your offerings. Father, we are so grateful to you that you are a good provider. And we just release our faith that, you, that as we tithe, that you meet our need, that you open the windows of heaven for us and rebuke the devourer for us. Father, I just ask you to show us more how to lock in with you, illuminate our path, and help us to have a stronger desire and more focus on, it, on what it is to advance the kingdom and to fulfill your purposes on the earth. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And yes, this is the last Sunday of the month, so we do have um, another offering we are going to receive for the missions offering.